0: Church, good morning. Hello. Hello, hello. It's good to be with you today. I'm, I'm very glad and very thankful to be able to open up God's Word with you in our series, Gospel Refractions, talking about how The gospel not only transforms our life, but it also, God intends for that transformation to actually be a blessing to other people. That what we've received from the Lord does not just stop in us, but actually flows out of us into the lives of others to, to, again, to be a blessing to them. If you're joining us online, actually, we're joining you in your space online, and we're in Fremont, we're joining you in Hayward, and so... It's just a blessing to be able to do that. We're thankful for each of you, thankful that God allows us to get together on a Sunday morning because in reality, there are many brothers and sisters around the world who do not have this same kind of uh, availability and this possibility. And, and, And I don't say that to put a guilt on us, but that's just the way it is. It's just there are people around the world where they are not free to gather to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're just thankful for this blessing and that we can virtually be together this morning. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time something happened in your life where you heard about something and your response was that cannot be true? that did not happen. I don't believe your lying mouth. Please leave now. <laughs> A little harsh, I know, but, uh, but, but that happens sometimes. And I feel like over the last five years, there have been so many things that have happened in our world and in our, in, in, in our culture that have given us opportunity to respond that way to say that can't be possible, that is not happening right now, that, that is not true. And I don't even mean all of the, the, the bad things, right? I don't even mean the things that where we saw it and that made us, that made us sad or we felt like that was a, uh, a detrimental thing. I mean even, even good things that have happened where um, we just stand back and go, that cannot be real. Well, again, in our sermon today, we're going to be talking about uh, this very reality, how things can happen around us and even outside of us and how we uh, communicate or excuse me, how we receive those things. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's probably about, I don't know, nine-tenths. That's a fraction for you, about nine-tenths of the way through. And uh, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. Ephesians is kind of a tricky letter because, not tricky, but we're not exactly sure what the reason for Paul's writing was. Uh, If you look at other books of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, there there seems to be a clear reason why the writer would write the letter or would write the, the book or whatever it was. So like for instance... 1 Corinthians is clearly a response, Paul is writing 1 Corinthians to church gone wild. Like it is just out of control and Paul is writing to the church, uh, by the way, about 30 people, uh, maybe, uh, about how to uh, do church in a way that honors the Lord. Uh, the book of Galatians, Paul is writing a letter to a church that is adding to the gospel of grace in that we don't earn our salvation. God, God gives it to us, not because we have made ourselves good, but because he is good, because he is loving. And they were adding to that message that, no, 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 you need to be a good person first. Then God will save you. Then, that it, and, and Paul's writing to them saying, that is not the gospel, uh, even, even 1 Timothy, even First and 2 Timothy, Paul, again, is writing a letter to a young pastor, 35, um, writing to a young pastor and saying, this is how you pastor your church. This is how you do it. But Ephesians is a bit of a mystery uh, because if you take the letter, there's six chapters total. The first three chapters are all, this is what God has done for our salvation. This is, this is the extent, this is the, the depths and the reaches of God's love and grace for us, not because we deserved it, but because again, God is good and loving even beyond our ability to sin. And so that's the first three chapters. And then the second three chapters, chapters four through six, are our response to God's salvation, to his grace and church it is important to not mix up that order uh, because, again, we do, not, we do not live in a way where we say, I'm good, therefore God will bless me. It's God has blessed us in so many ways and it's so profound, I can't help but respond to his grace and his love. Does that make sense? So that's the book of Ephesians. And so if you're able, I'd love for you to stand and uh, honor the reading of God's word. Verse 15, verse 15. Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. This is God's word for this morning, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, the gospel reality that we are going to look at from the scriptures is the reality of truth truth. How does truth transform us and how can truth be transformative through us? And the pathway for our sermon this morning is going to answer three questions. First, what is truth? Second, why truth matters? And thirdly, how the truth sets us free. Now, to be honest and to be fair, this topic could easily take six to eight weeks to cover. And so we're all, we're going to wrap it up in one day. So we should all be just experts on this by the time we leave today. That was supposed to be like tongue-in-cheek, but I guess you guys took me way too soon. That's, that's cool, that's cool. Great, you're ready, you're ready. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, what is truth? What is truth? Listen, this question has been asked and answered since long before any of us were born and is going to be asked and answered long after we're gone. This is the question uh, that the ancients, that the, the philosophers, the relig- religious teachers, the great thinkers, uh, everybody has been asking, what is truth? And by definition, truth is the property of being in accord with reality. I'll say that again, because I, I, I've read this like a thousand times, and it still doesn't quite make sense. The property of being in accord with reality. In, in everyday language, truth is ascribed to represent reality, real things. And so when we talk about truth, we're saying that truth is grounded in reality, what is real? What is tangible? What is objective? What is immutable? What is bigger and outside of ourselves? That truth is not something that we create. It's not necessarily, it's, it's not something that we own or we devise in our minds. Truth exists outside of you and I. It's something that we look to. It's something that we latch onto, but it's not something that we own ourselves. Does that make sense? It is bigger than us. It is outside of us. And so what we can do is we, we make truth statements. And so I'll give you an example. So here, here's some truth statements. So here, the Empire State Building is a shining example of humanity's ability to create and build, right? That's a truth statement, right? That, that's saying something true about the Empire State Building. It's not saying it's the best example, but it's saying it's an example of what human beings can do to create and build. Here's another one. Johann Sebastian Bach's Passion of the Christ is one of the best musical compositions ever written, right? Like that, that's a universally held critique. If you don't believe that, you're wrong, okay, right? <laughs> but my point is, like that's something, or how, okay, how, I'll give you an easy one. A mother's work is never done. Ah. <laughs> These are truth statements. Now, truth is different from facts, okay? We use the words interchangeably, And and I'm not at all, I I do, like off off the pulpit, I would be a stickler about this, but not today. But those words are actually different. A fact is basically an isolated piece of data, right? It's an isolated, uh, it's a piece of the puzzle, whereas truth is an interpretation of the facts. So truth is the whole puzzle. It's making sense of the data, now, do you remember in the movie Indiana Jones and the first one? I can't think of the name, but the first one, right? The Greaters of the Lost Ark. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So do you remember at the beginning, Dr. Jones, he's, he's got his class, and he says to his class, "I'm on, in the Harrison Ford voice, I'm only interested in the facts, not truth. If you want truth, go down the hall to the philosophy class. Do you remember that part? And, and, and the, there's some... There's some sense to that, but the error that Dr. Jones is making, and by the way, I'm not disparaging Indiana Jones at all, I would never do that, But, but the error that he's making is that you can separate truth from facts, that they don't have a connection, that they're not linked, but they are linked because what we do every day, whether you know it or not think it or not, we take facts, we take isolated pieces of data and we interpret them into what we believe is truth. So I'll give you an example of this and how we come to different uh, truths in our lives. Uh, I'll take backpacking as an example. I don't know if you have any backpackers out there, but here's uh, here's, here's some facts about backpacking. You have to carry everything in backpacking. You have to. You don't get to have somebody carry it for you. That's not backpacking. Uh, All water from rivers and lakes must be filtered. I don't care how far up you go or what you think to do, you have to filter the water. You have to do it or else you are going to have a bad time. That's putting it lightly. Bears can be troublesome. That's just true. And foot blisters are common. What's the truth in all of that? That you must be well prepared to have a good and safe journey while backpacking. That's the truth. So what have I done? I've taken the data and I have interpreted the data into the truth. Let me take a theological angle. The world and everything in it belongs to God. Human beings were created in God's image. Humans rebelled against God through their sin. And God showed mercy to humans and offers them reconciliation. Those are facts. What's the truth? That mankind is never too far removed from being reconciled to God. That's the truth. Do you, do you see how that works? Again, what have we done? We've interpreted the facts to reveal the truth. And truth is grounded in reality. And if that's true, and it is, then what's the most true thing? Well, Paul points to it here in verse 15. He says, speaking the truth of love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. The most real, immutable, tangible, objective, cannot change reality in the universe is that Christ is the head over all things that Jesus Christ stands as the one over all, that all reality for us as as Christians filters through him. So we do not see the world, we do not even see ourselves or other people through our own human lens or our our own truth filter, but we see all things through the filter of Jesus Christ, which means we see ourselves not as great Uh, wonderful people who God is honored to save us, but as people not deserving of anything good from the Lord, and he saved us anyway. It means we see other people who are maybe not believers in Jesus Christ, not as our enemies, not as our enemies, but those who have yet to experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, and we want that for them because we know how much of an impact it's made on our life. So truth is grounded in reality, but it's also transactional. Look at verse 15 and 25. It says, Paul says, rather speaking the truth in love, uh, put away falsehood. Each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Now that phrase there, speak the truth, uh, the literal Greek translation of that phrase is to truth it which sounds funny. It sounds like 90s teen speak, right? Like, yo, bro, I'm just truthing it over here, right? Which might've been something I said in in the 90s as a teenager, but, uh, but that's what it means. Now, what was Paul, what was it that Paul wanted the Ephesians to speak to each other? Well, he's just spent three chapters, chapters one, two, and three, talking about what God has done in his grace and his love and his mercy to make us alive in Jesus Christ, how God has done all of the work for that. And so in Ephesians 1, he says, God has adopted us as his children. In Ephesians 2, that God has made us alive in Christ. Again, in Ephesians 2, that God has united together those who call on the name of Jesus. And in chapter 3, that God has given the church the role of revealing the wisdom of Of the world. Paul encourages the Ephesians to constantly speak the truth to one another, that it would be on their lips at all times in order to build each other up. Not to one up, not to win a conversation or a debate, not to prove anything, but to build each other up. That the truth, listen, is not a weapon. The truth is not a weapon. The truth is meant to encourage and build other people up. And even beyond that, speaking the truth to someone can sometimes mean calling out someone else's sin and pointing them to repentance. Uh, Let me tell you, this might be one of the most difficult ways to truth it. Because, as many of us have probably experienced, to speak the truth to someone, to love someone so much to call out their sin, not in a way of, you're a bad person, stop it, but in a way that would build them up, in a way that would point them to the, to the glory and to the, 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 the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, there's risk involved, isn't, that? isn't there? Because sometimes even the most loving way that we present the truth to people, they reject it. and our relationship, there's risk involved right? How many of us here have ever spoken the truth to someone in love? I don't mean bringing down the hammer. I mean, you spoke the truth in love and the relationship was fractured and your desire was to build up. But see, one of the things that, one of the ways that we we can demonstrate love for one another is to speak the truth to each other, even when the other person doesn't want to hear it. One of the ways you know who your friends are is they speak the truth to you when you don't want to hear it. So I would just say this, friends. Next time a brother or a sister says something to you, shares something with you that um, hurts a little bit, that you would just consider maybe they're they're right. Maybe they're speaking the truth to me so that um, I would grow, so that I would be encouraged and built up. It's one of the most precious things that you can do in a relationship, is to speak the truth in love, and and so what happens is, um, we we go on a journey. See, truth is a journey. We go on this journey of accepting and receiving the truth. Right? There's very few people who who when they hear the truth of God and it's and it like and it and it hits them that they just go, oh, that's all. I believe all of that now, and and I believe everything, and I'm done. Right? But, but truth is a journey where, where you might read something, you might hear something, somebody might say something to you, and it is a, it's a journey for receiving and believing and, and, and accepting it into your life, right? One of the most beautiful things um, uh, about, and I've told this story before, but... I remember at my old church there was a woman there who was in her uh, in her nineties, and I was talking to her one day before the service, and I said, "So what's going on?" And, and she was telling me about how God was continuing to reveal new things to her, and and things that she needed to that needed to be different in her life, like repenting of certain sins. And I'm like, "You're 93. You've almost graduated. What are you talking about, right?" And and I say that flippantly, but I mean, but the point is like we. That comes from this idea that we get to a certain point and you're done. We get to a certain point. But what does Paul say here? In verse 15, he says, we are to grow up in every way into him. He says, you must no longer walk. You must no longer walk in the old way. Verse 22, put off your old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You see what Paul's saying here? The implication is that that this, this journey that we're on is always moving forward. That 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 spiritual maturity doesn't reach a point like you don't get to you don't get to like 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 75 and you're an elder at the church and you're like all right I'm good I'm done. That doesn't happen. Why? Because every single one of us without exception, every single one of us are in need of the deep grace of God that reveals the sin inside of our hearts. Me especially. We are all, because of sin, and not just our sin, but the sin of the world, we are all affected by it. And sometimes, and some of you know this, you go along in your life and you're growing in spiritual maturity and the Lord reveals, the Lord reveals how sin is affecting you that you didn't even know. So it's a journey. It's a journey that we are on. And again, rarely do any of us receive it right away, but... The good thing is to be on the journey. And I'll just say this, that in the journey, you're gonna have doubts, you're gonna struggle, you're gonna have questions. And I say that God is a big God. And some of us grew up in a tradition where if you had doubts, if you had struggles, if you had questions about what you believed and whatnot, that that was a bad thing, God's big enough to take your doubts. And you know what God wants you to do with your doubts? Not be ashamed of them. He actually wants you to get answers. When you're wrestling with something, is this true? Why would God say this? Why would God do this? God knows what he's talking about. God is so gracious to us. He says, yeah, it's okay to doubt. Doubt and get answers. Go find truth. Go find truth. So truth is based in reality. It's transactional and it's a journey. But why does truth even matter? Truth matters because we are surrounded every day by lies and fantasy, by lies and fantasy. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, In the summer of 2021, COVID, you know, was like at whatever stage it was at. And we, uh, so we decided to take our kids to Disneyland and Disneyland was just opening up again uh, for kind of the first time. And so we, uh, we took our kids. It was the first, I, I hadn't been there since 92, which I'm told is a long time. So... If I keep this pattern, the next time I go will be when I'm 72. And personally, I'm okay with that and because I need to start saving for it now in order to go again at 72. So anyway, so, you know, when you go to Disneyland, what do you do? You go see the Disney princesses. I got two daughters, right? And they want to go see the Disney princesses. That's what you do. And I remember 1992, the Disney princesses, you just run up and bear hug them and you're like, hey, you know, and you take all the pictures and stuff. That's not how they do it anymore. They got them on lockdown. They got the Disney princesses in these cute, they, it looks like a stage, it's a cage, right? <laughs> it looks like a stage, it's totally a cage. So we're talking to Elsa or we're taking pictures with Elsa and we're gonna then go to Anna, right? We're gonna go talk to Anna. And uh, so, we're, and we're waiting. And so the kids are like just waiting to see Anna, right? And, and Michelle and I are staying back here and Elsa's right there. And Michelle, who's like shepherding and that's just her heart, she just kind of leans over and she's like, hey, you know, how's it been? you guys been okay, like with the park opening up again? And I'm sure you've had more, like more hours, you know, that you've had to work and people are kind of like, do they have a mask or they don't? Like what's going on, you know? And, And are you okay? Like she's, that's what she's doing. Elsa doesn't even give her the look of what are you doing? I'm in character right now, I can't, doesn't even do that. Her response, oh, well, it's been, you know, since Arendelle's opening up again, and we're so thankful, and, you know, we're just so glad all the kids get to come and see us, because my sister and I, we love having... That's Anna and Elsa are sisters, by the way, if you don't know that. we just love being having all the kids come to Arendelle again. And I'm like, holy cow, this is the real Elsa. This is the real Elsa. She's here. This is not an actress. It's the real. They got the real one for us for the reopening. Now, now I say that just to prove or just to show you. And immediately Michelle was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now she's playing along. Here's what we do we build fantasies. We don't like reality, so we build fantasies of what we wish reality was. We build up these fantasies in our life because we want things. Here's what we do. So we'll create a social media profile that tells a very different story from who we really are. Um, we will buy expensive cars and wear nice clothes because we want people to know that we're successful and whatnot, but it's all a facade. We'll talk about social justice. We'll talk about changing the world, but secretly we exploit the benefits of our position and our privilege. We'll make sure, <laughs> hopefully this one doesn't hurt too much, we'll, we'll buy all the Resonate swag We'll go to all the things. We'll say, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in. But we haven't given a dime of our treasure, our talent, or our time. We're just consumers. See, we're creating a fantasy. We don't like reality, so we create a fantasy. And it's not just fantasy, sometimes it's downright lies. We live in a world of lies. The greatest lies of our world include you know, that you, you'll be happy as long as you put yourself first before everyone else. Listen, you can divorce sex from your soul. They're two different things. They don't have any effect on each other. It's just a physical act. That's all it is. Money can fix any problem. In fact, your problems in your life are not because of you. It's everyone else. These are lies. These are lies that we hear, lies that we believe. We believe these lies. And it's easy It's easy to be deceived by these lies because the enemy doesn't get a billboard. Like Satan is not buying a billboard and putting it on the Nimitz freeway and saying, hate God, he's a bad guy. Do whatever you want. Because if you saw that, you'd go, hmm, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) Like you'd sniff that out right away. Because go back to Genesis 3, what does the enemy do? He whispers into the ear. He takes little truths and he twists them until they're lies. And the enemy knows exactly what to whisper into all of our ears. Because what's going to work on me is not going to work on you. But what works on you won't, maybe not, won't work on me. Look at verse 18. It says, they are darkened, these are unbelievers, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Do you know where ignorance and the hardness of heart comes from? It comes from the enemy telling us, you don't need God, you're fine on your own. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4. He says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Here's the mistake too. We might read a passage like this and we go, oh, those unbelievers, those sad, sad unbelievers with their callous hearts and their ignorance and all the things. Friends, are we any different? Are we any different? Are we so high and mighty that we think that we're not able to be influenced by the enemy? Because we're not. We're not. So we begin to believe these lies and then we begin to live a lie. Then we begin to live a lie. And we'll live a lie such as this, that even though God intended for us to live by his provision and his righteousness and his love, instead we're gonna choose to live self-sufficiently and self-righteously. I had that breaking moment about an hour ago. Did you know that? Of course you don't know that. I'll just be transparent. Um, So I know that God has gifted me with an ability to preach, okay? Um, And an hour ago, an hour and a half ago, as I was just behind waiting for the nine o'clock service, um, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, yes, I've given you this ability to preach, but look what you're doing. You don't ask me for help, you don't come to me and say, How how would this roll? How would this work? How would this phrase? How would this you just put it together and you have this ability. Say, so I'm living a lie. Do you see how easy that is? Sometimes we even take the good things that God gives us and we, by our callous hearts and our ignorance, turn it into a lie that we live. Because reality says this, that all of us to one degree or another are living a lie. Just like the rest of the world. And just like the rest of the world, we are unable to hold on to a moral standard that we claim to live by. Who among us would not be cast into the lot of the callous and the ignorant? Who have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy practice of every kind of impurity? None of us. The truth is all of us on our own, by ourselves, would choose to live a lie rather than the truth. On our own, we are without hope. But we're not alone. But we're not alone. See, even in this darkened, callous state, that all of us find ourselves in. The truth is that none of us are so far away from God that we cannot be reconciled to him and brought back into the truth and live out the truth instead of a lie. None of us are. John chapter 1 verse 1 the beginning of John's gospel he says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God you see how that how that is capitalized in your Bible on the screen how that word word is capitalized. Do you know what that word is? It's a Greek word, logos. We have no great English translation for that word, but it basically means it's it's the it's the answer to all of the questions. It's the meaning of life, the great wisdom of the ages, the source of all truth in the universe. This was a philosophical term that the ancient Greeks used, saying we're all looking for the logos. The Gre- ancient Greeks and all the great philosophers of, 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 of all time are looking for the great truth, the meaning of life. What? Why are we here? And John says in his gospel, the logos is Jesus. The logos, the meaning of all things, the filter by which we see everything, where we ought to see everything, where we see things the way that God wants us to see, is not found in ourselves. It's not found in the world. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. (laughs) And so we believe that. And we go on a journey of believing that and receiving that. And we don't get it all of a sudden. But slowly but surely, we believe it more and more. John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What has Jesus done? He's taken pieces of the puzzle and interpreted them. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Those are three facts. And what does Jesus say? No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the truth. Jesus is interpreting the pieces of the puzzle. He's the pathway to finding our redemption in God. And he's not just the pathway, he's the source for it all. See, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of sinners, it means that you're now accepting God's view of reality and beginning to reject your own you're saying that that I'm now going to have a renewal of mind I'm going to put off the old self and I'm going to put on a new self I'm going to believe Church, do you believe that Jesus is the answer to all of the questions? Do you believe that he's the source of all wisdom, the understanding of the universe? Do you believe that when Jesus says, I have come to set you free, that I will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you believe these things are true? Because if you do, that begins to make an impact and a change and a transformation in your life. And what happens? You begin to grow in that truth. Listen, The beautiful thing about the gospel, and we love the gospel here, the gospel does not just inform us about our our justification or how God saves us. It also informs us of our sanctification, which is the process by which we become more and more like Jesus, the journey into discipleship. Discipleship to Jesus implies that we're taking steps into growing in spiritual maturity, The gospel allows us to do that. In fact, it is the fuel. And so, how do you grow? Listen, practically here, practically, how do you grow in the truth? You got to read the word more than just when somebody on this stage tells you. I did not say that to shame you or guilt you. I'm telling you the truth. If the only time you open up God's word is when somebody else tells you to do it, all you're doing is impeding and making it more and more difficult for you to grow in spiritual maturity. Because God has given us His word, this is not to tell us what to do, God's word informs us of who our God is. And you read in the scriptures, and you'll get to, so Genesis 1 and 2, things are going great. You start reading after that, the fall of man, sin comes into the world. Very quickly, you're like, man, I don't know why God even kept going. Like, we are a mess. Like, there was the flood, but he probably should have just, like, ended everything after that, right? But why does he not? Because the more you read this, the more you realize Though I don't, though I'm I'm more sinful than I would ever admit, I'm actually more loved than I can possibly imagine. And so you grow in that truth. And there's other ways to do that, but but the more you grow in that truth, then you begin to actually live out that truth. So the truth sets, the truth begins to take root in your soul so that when you encounter difficulty, trial, hardship, pain, you fall back on, you fall back on the truth. You fall back on, okay, what is, what is real through the filter of my savior Jesus, not through the filter of me? And as you walk in that truth and it begins to transform you more and more, guess what you get to be? you are, as you are being transformed by the truth, you get to be an agent of transformation in someone else's life. Do you know how, how beautiful it is? Listen, there are no all-stars when it comes to sharing the gospel and sharing God's word. Sometimes we think that, but there are no all-stars. There's one all-star, he died on the cross. All of us, God wants to use to share the truth with the world. Your job where you work, I'll never have influence in those people's lives. Your neighbors, I'll never meet them. Your family, sure, I'll come over for a barbecue, but you have better context and influence in them than I do. And God wants to take, we say this all the time in discipleship and in missional communities and all of our trainings. God wants to take what he's doing in your life to help bring it into someone else's so that we can so people can take next steps so that people can be transformed and as the truth of Jesus Christ penetrates and transforms us we have the opportunity to live it out in a way so that the rest of the world can see it as good as tangible next steps are a big part of growing in the truth next steps are a huge part of it in fact it's it's one of the main things. And as Scott here and Marco and Hayward uh, told you, there's, it's Baptism Sunday. And some of you uh, woke up this morning thinking you were coming to a baptismal service to see other people get baptized. And you didn't know that you might be getting baptized today. And what I mean by that is... The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you all service long, revealing the goodness and the grace and the love that God has for you. And there's opportunity for you actually to be baptized today as well. At the the end, uh, in Hayward and here, Marco uh, in Hayward and and myself down here, we're, we're just gonna be ready to receive you. And if today... You wanna, you're ready to take a next step of obedience and being baptized? We want to give you that opportunity. We've got clothes, we've got towels, we've got everything you need. But see, as the truth begins to take root in your heart, we respond. We respond in faith, we respond in obedience. And baptism is a response saying, I want the world to know that, I, that Jesus stood with me, so I stand with him. I want the world to know that because he died for me, he brought me from death to life and washed me of all of my sins and is with me until the very end of the age. That might be you today. If that is, if that is, I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to talk to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here not because we deserve to be here. We're here not because... Uh, you, not because we've earned our right to be here. It wasn't an accident that we're here. God, we're here because you love us. You want us to grow in the truth. Regardless of where any of us are at in our spiritual journey, we all have area to grow in our life. All of us are desperately in need of your love and your forgiveness. And I'm thankful for my friends who are going to be baptized today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that if there are people here, if there are people in Hayward who are ready to be baptized and are ready to take that step, would you, would you bring them to the front and may we celebrate not what they're doing, but what you have done in them. Because anything good that happens in this life is because of your hand, not ours. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.